What's up, guys? It is Olin with MMA Anomaly. Um, and man, it has been one hell of a weekend. I should probably point out right at the beginning of the video that I am two coffees. Uh, so one House of Black coffee, one Phil's coffee, and two shots of rum deep right now. So let's go. Uh, it should be a fun episode. And yesterday, I proposed to my longtime girlfriend, Mary, so congrats to us. And then, even after proposing, we still had to come home and watch Sean Strickland fight to a split decision. I mean, the guy is the first person in the UFC to talk about wanting to be the first person to murder somebody in the octagon. But, I mean, after watching him pretty much win every single fight he's won on this streak by decision, I think the only way he'd kill somebody is by tying them up in his basement and forcing them to watch all of his decisions. But moving forward with the fights, uh, we did have a super, super good fight card. Uh, the main event showed Jack Hermanson fighting against Sean Strickland, the serial killer himself. And um, what ended up taking place was, again, it was a split decision. I don't think it should have been a split decision. It should have just been an outright decision for Sean Strickland. He went out there and jabbed him up for about 25 minutes straight. And uh, it just felt like Jack was having trouble getting started. Other honorable mentions across the card that I would definitely have to point out would be the, uh, I believe he's a younger brother of the Inchukwani family. His name is Chitty, and you should definitely keep an eye on him. He got a 16-second uh, knockout over Mark andre Berriot. I believe I'm saying that name right. And also, uh, I agree with Megan Olivia and the, the broadcast at UFC, Chitty should definitely do some voiceover work. The guy has an incredible voice. Um, other honorable mentions on the fight, we had Juicy J himself, Julian Erosa. He, uh, he's been on quite a skid. He's had you know an up-and-down trajectory in the UFC, and he needed a win. He was due for a win, and what ended up happening is his opponent missed weight, which means any bonuses that take place, he sacrifices to, to Julian Erosa. Julian Erosa ended up beating him by split decision, and then they got fight of the night. So because of that, Juicy J ended up making 100K last night. So good for him. Definitely well-deserved. Uh, he put on a great performance. He threw a rolling thunder in there. He threw a, a bunch of crazy attacks in there. Fantastic fight for him and his opponent. Uh, so great job. Tip my imaginary hat to both of those guys. Um, other honorable mentions from that card uh, last night. Brandon Allen Allen fought Sam Alvey. Yes, Sam Alvey has been on quite a skid. I believe he's lost seven in a row. Um, maybe eight in a row after last night. Brendan Allen Allen is a middleweight fighter. And he ended up taking a three-day short notice fight against a dangerous Sam Alvey, who is a knockout artist. You got to think a 205-pound guy that cuts weight to get to 205 fighting a 185-pound guy. There's going to at least be like a 15 to 20-pound uh, discrepancy there in weight, right? So... Brandon Allen definitely took a chance on himself, and it paid off. He ended up submitting him, I believe, in the second round. Beautiful performance by Brandon, and definitely think he should stay at 185. Uh, he looks smaller than Alvy, but great job to him taking the fight on short notice. Definitely think he deserves an extra little kickback in cash from Dana, and I hope to see that happen. And uh, yeah, looking forward to his next fight as well. And then obviously the breakout star of the entire show was probably Shavkat Rachmanov, right? Uh, dude is a beast. Every single fight he's had, he's won. Every single win he's had, he's finished. So he's finished every single fight. Every single fight has been a win. Uh, this one was no different. 
He ended up defeating his opponent. He made it look uh, surprisingly easy. And he put Carlston Harris away pretty early on. And yeah, I mean, again, he's showing no holes in his game. I would love to see uh, him end up getting the fight that he called for after at the post-fight presser against Michelle Pajeda. I think that that would be a great fight. But I do think that Michelle Pajeda is a fun fighter and Shavkat is a contender. I think Shavkat is somebody that we need to keep an eye on. He's probably going to have a great title run. Michelle's going to be someone we need to keep an eye on because he's fun to watch. He does backflips. He does a lot of Superman punches. Whereas the other one is methodical, well-rounded, and just a cold-blooded killer. So, uh, now that we got our honorable mentions out of the way for UFC on Vegas 47, we do have an awesome question from my buddy Matt. Uh, so, a fan-slash-close friend question here. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, let's uh, hear what Matt's question is. What's good? Enjoying the channel. Um, two questions. One, pretty straightforward. Ranked, unranked, doesn't matter. Who do you think is the most underrated fighter of each division? Okay, another awesome question. Uh, thank you, Matt, for submitting that. Sorry it's taken me a couple of days to get to actually recording a video for it. It is uh, because of the engagement and also because it's a great question. I actually had to think. That's why you see me looking down a couple times probably in the future of the video. Uh, I had to write a couple different pages of things here. Uh, I did not come up with a, uh, a dream matchup for each fighter which you might not have heard that part of the question yet because I'll probably cut that part in a second. But I will go through the first part now and then we'll get to that. So the first question was most underrated fighters in each division. I covered most of the divisions, but not all of the divisions. So we'll jump right into it. Flyweight, I got my fellow uh, Louisiana boy, Matt Danger Schnell. I think he has lost against a couple of top ranked opponents. But other than that, he has looked absolutely incredible. He's been a phenom. His boxing has gotten incredibly better every single fight, as well as every aspect of his game. I think the biggest thing is, and I've said this in previous videos, just like Dustin Poirier, he needs to be careful and make sure that he is not getting engaged in brawls, right? So I think Matt Schnell is a great, great underrated fighter for flyweight. Um, moving forward into Bantamweight, we have... Mirab Dewalishwili. So, uh, he is a beast of a fighter. He trains out of Cerro Longo. And I, I think that he is a future Bantamweight champion. He has Khabib-like wrestling. He has shown that he can be put in really dangerous positions. Get almost knocked out cold. And still come back in war and rally to end up winning a unanimous decision uh, against a, a really game opponent. That, again... Damn near knocked him out in the first round of his last fight. But he still won that fight. So, Marab Dovalishvili, highly underrated. Keep your eyes on that guy. Um, featherweight, this one is going to be a little bit less obvious, maybe. I'm going to go with Bruce Leroy himself, Alex Caceres. So, uh, Alex Caceres, I believe he's a longtime veteran of the game. He's a longtime UFC fighter. But they keep feeding him up-and-comers, unknowns, young kids. And I think he deserves another title run. I think he deserves a higher caliber fighter and a higher ranked fighter to showcase his skills and really show off what he is capable of. Uh, moving into lightweight, the most obvious choice would obviously be Islam Makachev. I love Islam Makachev. I think he's a fantastic fighter, but he's already uh, almost top five 
after this next fight, assuming he beats Benil Dariush, he will be top five and he will be well on his way to a title. So not him, right? Underrated lightweight. I've got to give it to Joe Selecki. I think he's an up and comer. He's three and one in the UFC right now. And that is a hell of a start. The UFC is, I mean, every weight class is a class full of killers in the UFC. Let's just face it. But lightweight is really like murder's row, right? You got a ton of killers in there. Joe Selecki's slowly working his way up that ladder. And I think it's only a matter of time before he might just become a household name. So highly underrated lightweight. Keep your eyes on that guy. Um, moving into welterweight. Uh, again, I, I don't. I, I didn't go over necessarily every single weight class here. I just went over the ones that, like, really, I, I did see somebody that was underrated in that weight class, right? So moving into welterweight, it is a two-way tie. We have Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. Uh, he's almost become like a meme on Twitter where people say he's a boring fighter. I actually don't understand the hate for him. I think he's improved every fight. I think he's proven that he's game every fight. And he's actually hilarious on Twitter. You should definitely give that guy a follow. Uh, and yeah, so Bilal Muhammad, fantastic guy, just like his nickname, remember the name, right? And then the other guy has got to be Sean Brady. He's undefeated. He just beat a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu phenom in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu specific match. And uh, yeah, he's had a meteoric UFC trajectory so far, in my opinion. I think he will continue to be undefeated for some time. I don't know through his entire career if he'll be undefeated, but... I do think he's somebody that's pretty safe to put on your DraftKings if he's fighting most fights, like 9 out of 10. If we look into middleweight, I would say probably Brendan All-In Allen. You already mentioned him at the beginning of the video uh, for putting away Sam Alvey. He is somebody that, again, he has taken short notice fights. He's had, uh, you know, not an undefeated UFC career for sure, but... He's somebody that, again, has shown improvements every single fight. And I do think that within, within the next like one to two years, he is a name that a lot of us will definitely know, especially if you're a UFC fan or a fan of MMA in general. For light heavyweight, I have to say Anthony Smith is the total package. He is an incredible commentator slash analyst. And in the octagon, he's incredible. He, let's face it, could have been light heavyweight champion had he rightfully accepted the DQ against John Jones. And who knows how that storyline would have played out. Would he defended it? Probably. He's an incredible fighter. Um, we have seen him literally lose teeth in there and keep fighting. He, he's a company man. He takes any fight they hand him. And even though some of those fights, maybe he deserves better, right? Uh, I would love to see him actually continue to fight up in ranking and work his way up to another title shot. I think he's maybe only one or two fights away from another title shot. So Anthony Smith and light heavyweight is my most underrated fighter pick. Uh, moving into heavyweight, it's going to be Tom Aspinall for me. Tom Aspinall is a, uh, you, know, you know, he's a European fighter. He is incredible. Again, he's grown more and more every single fight. His grappling, incredibly underrated. His striking, incredibly underrated. And his personality is incredibly underrated. He actually sells himself short a little bit, right? Like, he wants to have a slow rise to the top where he's fighting, you know, one rank up, one rank up, one rank up. Whereas most fighters, like your Darren Till, is like, oh, no, give me, the, give me the number one guy. Like, most of these guys are calling out number one. If he's number eight and he beats number seven, he's calling out number six, which isn't terrible, right? It's a very smart rise. Uh, me and Mary were talking just last night while we were watching the fights, and, and she said that 
one of the biggest issues she thinks she sees is people that try and rise too fast, right? Uh, you have the Icarus effect. They're flying too close to the sun way too fast. They get burnt out, right? So um, I definitely think Tom Aspinall in the heavyweight division is someone to watch. So those were all I came up with for most underrated fighters. I think as far as, and I'm not, I'm not being sexist, as far as the women's divisions, most of the fighters are actually represented pretty well. And those weight classes are, uh, there's far less people in them. So there's a lot less space for someone to be underrated or overlooked, right? If you have 500 people in one weight class and 50 in another, it's a lot easier to pay attention to all 50 than it is to pay attention to 500. So uh, moving forward, we have the next part of the question from Matt. Uh, the second question would be a pick for each weight class with the caveat of weight changes. So what fighters would you want to see either move up or down a division and an exciting matchup for each division with that caveat? Okay, so we love a good two-parter, don't we? So uh, the second part of this is weight changes and who would be a good matchup. Um, I'll be honest, I did not come up with a perfect matchup for each person, but I will give you a general conception of what type of fighter I think would be a good matchup for him. Does that work? And if you have a, a good matchup specifically for each fighter I, I say here, please comment below. I would love to hear your input here. So weight class changes. I'm going to say Kelvin Gastelum needs to go down to welterweight. Okay, he was a welterweight originally. He went up to middleweight. He looks much smaller than most of these guys, even though he is uh, the only person really to take Adesanya a competitive 25 minutes. I think at welterweight, he's a, a much stronger, uh, scrappier guy. And if he can get a good nutritionist, get that on point and get down to welterweight, I think he'd be a real problem. Uh, moving on, we have Tony Ferguson, I think should also move to welterweight. I think he should move up, right? Uh, we saw him do the, the two back-to-back -back weight cuts to lightweight. Obviously wasn't a great idea. He got messed up after that in that fight. And then, I mean, he's just had a falling from grace in lightweight. He looks like a skeleton when he's on the scales, actually weighing in for lightweight. So I feel like if he moved up, he would, like, let's think about this. What made Tony Ferguson terrifying in lightweight when he first got into the game, right? What made him the boogeyman? He'd slice you up with his elbows, blah, blah, right? Um, but more than that, he was a cardio machine. No matter what you threw at him, he'd get back up and he'd move forward, pressure you, pressure you, pressure you. Nothing you could do could put him away. But we've seen different lately, right? We've seen him get kind of pressured and outworked. So stop cutting so much weight. Give a little bit power to the chin. And also give a little bit more power to your body, a little bit more nutrients to the body. I'd love to see what he could actually do at 170. I think he could really, really put in some work um, and, and just be a phenom at 170. So, um, going back to those two names here, Kelvin Gastel, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here, okay, and say that I think Kelvin Gastelum should fight Kevin Holland, right? I think Kevin Holland should drop back down and stay at welterweight, right? So, Kevin Holland at welterweight versus Kelvin Gastelum. Why do I say these two? I think these two should fight each other at welterweight because they're both going to be coming down from middleweight, right? 
They've both fought at Walter and at middleweight, and I just think that it'd be a great kind of welcome back to the right division for both of them. Who do I think would be a good matchup for Tony Ferguson at welterweight? I don't think it'd be a Calvin Gaslam, and I definitely don't think it would be a Kevin Holland. Those guys are coming down from a larger weight. I don't want a guy coming up from a smaller weight to meet them in the middle, right? You're going to have a really small guy versus a really big guy. I would like Tony Ferguson's first fight at welterweight to actually be... Man, let's see. Maybe a... I don't know, a, another smaller welterweight. Uh, I, I just, I don't think that it should be one of the guys that's towering at welterweight. I think it should be a natural welterweight. Um, somebody that, again, isn't super huge for the weight class, doesn't have to cut a lot of weight. Because again, I'd like to see Tony fight somebody that's his own size or own like size range that isn't cutting a ton of weight like he is to get to lightweight, right? I want it to be two healthy guys going in there having a war, and I think that Tony Ferguson has a lot of skills that we haven't really gotten to see just because he, I think he cuts too much weight. He's he's tired when he goes in there, and we haven't seen the menacing Tony Ferguson that we had seen for the seven years prior or so, right? Um, moving forward, I think Jorge Masvidal should move back down to lightweight. He was a lightweight for years and looked good. And then he moves up to welterweight. He ends up getting like a knockout. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, this is nice. I don't have to cut a ton of weight. I can knock people out. But since then, he's been dominated by big, strong wrestlers. You move him down to lightweight. Sure, there are wrestlers. But since Khabib is retired, there's not a ton of really incredible wrestlers that are going to pressure him down and push him down, right? There's not a lot of people that can really suffocate him the way that there used to be in that division. So I think Jorge Masvidal moving down to lightweight would be a smart Smart move. Um, next guy, again, I, I think Darren Till should move down to welterweight. I think Darren Till going down to welterweight is the smartest one of all of these weight changes because when he first entered the UFC, he was called the gorilla, right? Why was he called the gorilla? Because he was bigger and stronger than all of his opponents. Since then, he's missed weight a couple times, went up to middleweight, and he seems much smaller than the guys that he's going against. Right, So I think if you move him back down, you get him back down to that lighter weight, I think that he is a terrifying guy. He has a, a great Muay Thai background. His striking uh, pedigree is just incredible. He always looks calm and relaxed in there. You give him a length, a reach advantage, a height advantage, and a little bit of a weight advantage. If he gets a good nutritionist and is able to cut a little bit of that extra weight, get back down to the slower, smaller weight class, then boom. Bada bing, bam, boom. I think he just starts knocking people out. Okay? Um, and I mean, that's that. So, again, if you think that I missed anybody or you would like to see any any weight class changes or anything like that, I, I would love to hear your feedback in the comment section below. Like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, all of those things. And uh, thanks again, Matt, for the awesome question slash topic. And whoever else is out there listening, I look forward to hearing yours. Please send me a video, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Same name, MMA Anomaly. Give me a follow. Give me a comment. Love the support. Love you guys. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Thank you so much. See you next time. And enjoy the hostility.